Welcome to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit. Here is your host, Bill Faith. Hey, you guys, you know how much I love Stay Fine, how important that is into my entire marketing funnel. But look, they have just released a thing called Homepage, which is absolutely taking it to the next level. Now, when somebody logs into your Wi-Fi via your StayFi landing page, it takes them to this homepage where you can integrate with the Hostco shop for upsells. You can integrate with Viator for literally local attractions to take care of your guests, your guidebook links, direct link to your website, and your book again button. Completely simplified. Look, StayFi has taken this whole marketing thing to the next level. You need to check them out. They are a seriously integral part of my marketing funnel, and it should be for yours as well. Look, to lock in your StayFi discount and start cultivating your engaged guest list, go to StayFi.com slash bill. That's StayFi.com slash bill. Yep, that's my name. And watch your booking soar. All right, welcome back to SCR Unfiltered. I am excited that you're here and I'm excited to have my guest uh, that's jumping on today to talk all things becoming bankable. We're going to talk about DTI, some myths about second home loans, DSCR products, and all the things that you need to understand about your options when you're trying to fund your existing or your next short-term rental purchase. So before we dive in, look, if you heard the first intro on this, this is the first time, the first podcast with this intro, and that's not a bullshit sales pitch. I want you to understand, StayFi has been a huge, huge component in my marketing strategy I'm not doing that just because they're a sponsor of this podcast. I only put my name behind things that I actually use, implement, and have become successful. So I could not be doing what I do with almost 40% direct bookings if it wasn't for StayFi. Um, I have it in every one of my properties. It helps me build my email list faster. And now with their new homepage, increasing conversions right when people sign up for your Wi-Fi. So I'm a huge believer in StayFi. You guys should check them out. And it's going to help you with your marketing and bringing your existing guests back. All right. So now I want to jump in and I want to introduce my good friend, Parker Borofsky. How are you, Parker? Hey, Bill. Doing great. How are you? I am awesome. So you and I chat quite a bit about, you know, mortgages and stuff like that. I send, if, if anybody wants to know how to calculate their debt to income ratio, I usually send them to you. Uh, just because for whatever reason, sometimes they don't believe me when I'm talking to them. And that's a big thing to understand before we get into the buying process, what we can actually afford, right? So I want to jump right in. First of all, if you will introduce yourself, you got a lot of shit going on. You're more than just movement mortgage, right? I mean, you, I don't remember what it is. What'd you underwrite? Like 50, 60 million last, just last year? 120 million last year. 120 million. See, I'm <laughs> underestimating you. That's awesome. Right. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Hey, so uh, we are actually the number one short-term rental lending team. A lot of people don't know. It's myself and Rob are the two loan originators there. And I mean, we did 323 million the year before. So we, in 2022, you know, 300 plus million and 2023, 120 million. Correct. That's yep, crazy absolutely. numbers. We've now written just over a billion dollars in short-term rental loans, over 2,000 wow. transactions. Um, and that was without a DSCR product, which you do have now, correct? Absolutely. Yes, that's correct. Yep, that was just jumbo and conventional. So the D we have an awesome in-house DSCR product now. We do also have a brokered product we can use as well. So it's always nice to have that option if somebody doesn't quite fit the, the conventional or the uh, jumbo box. 
So that is yeah. awesome. But there's one thing that's even more important that kind of goes along with this about you. You're an investor and a short-term rental owner with a, a pretty good size portfolio in Florida and in the Smokies, correct? Absolutely. Yep. I'm in, I'm in there with you. I'm in the thick of it. That, I, that's really important because I think people want to work with people that are doing the same things that they are, right? I got to see your beautiful house at our war room meeting uh, down in Miramar. You're in Navarre as well. You're in 30A. You're in the Smokies. You actually live, I guess, you're in the Smokies. You're not in Gatlinburg, but you're like right. 10 minutes away, right? Yeah, we're about 45 minutes from Gatlinburg. Yep. And you have a pretty, I haven't seen it personally. I've seen the pictures and the videos of a pretty cool property there uh, as well. We do. We're on the river in Townsend, Tennessee. We've got 18 acres, uh, five short-term rentals, and the house we live in. So we love it. It's it's pretty cool. Pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. So let's jump in. Let's start talking about uh, mortgages and stuff, because there's a lot of bullshit, you know, that's out on social media, a lot of myths, you know, stuff like that. So let's just kind of start with DTI calculation. I want to, a lot of people don't understand what really goes into calculating their debt to income ratio. Can you kind of break that down Alabama style for those of us that are college dropouts like myself that don't really understand that? Absolutely. So there's the the simple version, which I'll, I'll give you so you can get an idea of your DTI. And then I'll tell you a little bit of the complexity that goes behind it. The simple version, what goes into DTI is your monthly, it's not your annual. A lot of people think it's annual or um, how much total debt they have. That's not the case. It's your gross monthly income that we can use. Net if you're self-employed, gross if you're W-2. So it's that versus your monthly obligation. So you could owe a million dollars on a credit card, but if your payment is only $10 a month, just that $10 goes into that debt-to-income ratio equation. So it's your, your monthly debt liabilities versus your gross or net, like I said, if you're self-employed, uh, income. That's a simple version of it. Where it gets a little bit complicated is how do you calculate that gross income? And so that's where if you have some, you know, if you have a basic, straightforward W-2 job, it should be fairly easy to calculate your W-2 income. So you have to be careful with bonuses and commission and how that's counted. And then the way we calculate self-employment income varies a little bit per program too. But to get a general basic understanding of your debt to income ratio, it's going to be that income versus that monthly debt. So if I make, let's just say $250,000, $300,000 a year, $25,000 a month on a W-2, and doesn't matter how many kids I have and like the whole tax withholding stuff. So $25,000 a month, I've got, I'm just going to give easy math here. I've got a $5,000 uh, mortgage payment. I have two $1,000 car payments. So that's seven grand, right? And I have student loans that are a thousand bucks. I've got $8,000 and I pay off my credit cards every month. So I have no credit card debt. So $25,000 in gross, roughly, you know, $8,000 in expenses personally. What can I qualify for? Great question. So at $25,000, you're looking at, so if you're going conventional, the max CTI, we can usually go up to 50%. So that means your max total monthly debts could be 12,500. So if you've got already 8,000 in monthly debt, you can do another 4,500 for a new So really, I'm only bankable up to about 600 to 650,000 right now on a 10% down and probably 450,000 thousand roughly on a 20% down conventional loan, right? 
Well, for a second home, 10%, yes. But here's where, now here's a little secret. So many people forget about this loan product. The conventional investment occupancy, it's a sister to the, the 10% second home. And with that 15% investment occupancy, we can use projected rental income. So, so yes, if you're doing a 10% second home, you're right. That 600, 650 would be about your limitation in that scenario. But if you're good with putting at least 15% down, you can go to that max conforming loan limit. So that's going to be a 901 purchase price with 15% down, because in that scenario, we can use that projected rental income to offset that payment. So I want everybody to listen really closely to what I'm about to tell you, because you might have missed what Parker just said in that statement, projected revenue, right? So that's basically like DSCR type of, of qualification, right? Okay, Bill, AirDNA says you're going to do $60,000 in revenue. You're trying to buy this half a million dollar property at 15% down. And so you're going to do $5,000 a month in projected revenue. You don't hear, at least I've never heard anybody else that's working in second home loans or that sister commercial product, right? Or an investor product even discuss that. That's why I talk about you, Parker, one of the most flexible and knowledgeable people to help get STRs funded. I know that you look, a lot of people believe, so actually I want to go back to the myths real quick because that, what we just talked about ties into the myth. A lot of people believe that it's 40 to 45% versus 50% on the second home loan. I tell people to target 40% because usually they're going to be off a little bit. You know, they might not factor in HOA fees, reoccurring credit card debt, historical of what shows up on their credit report, whatever that is. So what is your recommendation for them to make sure they can conform under 50% and kind of bust that myth of, you know, 40 or 45% for me? Yeah, I, I really recommend, like I said, like that calculation you do on your own, it's a good one to give you a, a general sense, but I really recommend they talk to a lender. Don't be afraid to, to call up a loan officer and go through your debt to income ratio. And if you think they're off or you don't like what they're telling you, talk to another one because not all loan originators look at DTI the same way. Some are more conservative than others and they don't really go by the guidelines. They'll go by what they think. Um, you know, I like to really push that limit. I've been called the DTI queen. I've been called the rainmaker, you know, all sorts of stuff. I mean, that's clients. better than rain man, which is what my wife calls me. <laughs> that's true. I can see that. <laughs> so um, yeah. let's go into another myth. I had this conversation a couple of days ago and I actually referred them to reach out to you. And they have a W-2, they're trying to leave their W-2, they have new short-term rentals, and they're like, well, I can't count that income because I haven't filed my 2023 tax return yet, right? And then there's even a lot of LOs, loan originators, or companies that require two years tax returns to consider that. And I see you rolling your eyes because I know <laughs> what your answer is gonna be to this. What happens in Parker's world with rental income? So, yeah. So when it comes to short-term rental income, as long as we do need at least one tax return to be filed reflecting that, but it can, I mean, the guidelines, the, the Fannie Mae guidelines are that you, you take that revenue from the number of months the property was placed in service. There's no distinguishing factor between long-term, short-term, you know, it's just number of months in service. So the way I look at it is as soon as they get their 2023 filed, we can use that rental revenue reporting. Um, now, in their situation, if they just left their W-2, there may not be a lot of other meat that we could use. So this is a, a great example of when a DSCR might be necessary. But I've qualified and gotten a lot of couples to the point where they had 
five or six properties reporting, they were able to quit their W-2 and continued uh, qualifying for conventional loans just using rental income at that right. point. But Is there income. any way possible to be able to count rental income without filing that first tax return? No, no. not that I've not that I have figured out. So one tax return, not necessarily two, other banks do require two or other LOs require two, you're good with just one. So super important, you know, I look at myself, I bought two properties in 2023. I just closed on another one last week. The two and 23, I, and this is what I want people to understand. I'm, I file an extension almost every year. I just have way too much shit going on to try to get it done on time. So I probably won't be able, and I think it was roughly around $260,000, $240,000 to $60,000 in rental income off of those two properties. One was in February, another one was didn't even put it really into service till November. But I probably am going to have to wait until October to be able to count that income. So part of the strategy for all of you out there, need you need to understand that if you need to utilize your 2023 rental income for a new property that went into service in 2023, then you need to get your tax return filed as quickly as you can. Do not file an extension because you won't be able to uh, utilize it, correct? Absolutely, yep. Awesome. So how do you navigate, and you're really good at the educational component for this. So if somebody comes into you and they're trying to make a decision on, you know, traditional 10% down second home, 15% down investment loan, DSCR product, how do you kind of educate people on what have to choose? How to, how, what, were the, what should they be looking at? Yeah, great question. You know, it's kind of a, there's no one size fits all. So it's really personal to the situation. And so there's a couple things I would look at. Number one is how much capital do they have? You know, are they sitting on a million dollars and they can do 20, 25% down, you know, for the DSCR product? Does that make the most sense? Um, what does their current debt to income ratio? Most importantly, what's their overall goal and path? For that year. And so I like to really sit down and build that out with them uh, to determine based on debt to income ratio ramifications, capital, and just and their overall goal. You know, why are they doing this? What do they want to achieve? How many do they want to get in then in the next one to, to three years? So those are the, the factors that we'll look at when it goes into kind of figuring out which path uh, to go. I think that's really, really valuable from two sides. One, you can look at it from the lender side, the mortgage side, but also as the investor, right? And sometimes those paths probably don't cross 100%, mm -hmm. but I think having those two different perspectives is something that is really important. It's kind of funny because, I mean, you know me well enough, you're in my mastermind and we talk about these things a lot, is I look at real estate agents and lenders in the exact same realm. So I interview my lenders, whether I'm going to local banks, credit unions, national brokers like yourself, whatever that is. And if they don't own something, it's going to be much more challenging to deal with them, right? Or if they don't have experience and you, you are the most experienced lender in our industry. So what I'm going to kind of just flip the script for a second. What do you see on the horizon, I mean, we're all waiting for, you know, about a month from now or maybe five or six weeks when the Fed, you know, allegedly or we anticipate is going to lower interest rates by a quarter or a half a point. What do you anticipate and what do you think is going to happen with interest rates? Another great. You always have great questions, Bill. <laughs> I try to be uh, thought provoking. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So I actually am feeling really good going into this year. Um, I knew last year was going to be rough and it was. You know, what I'm seeing that, so 
mortgage rates are heavily dependent on the 10-year treasury. And so finally, we're starting to get some relief. So even though the Fed hasn't hasn't done anything yet in terms of rate reducing, mortgage rates have actually dropped quite a bit from October. They really peaked in October. I mean, primary homes even were like at 8% in October. It was insane. And so we've really seen them come down quite a bit since then. So, and for the first time, and last year what would happen, and I'm sure people saw on the news, like rates would spike and be the highest, and then they would drop the most they had dropped in five months. Or, but it was still an upward trajectory. Finally, since October, we've been on an actual true downward trajectory. So I'm very excited for that. If I had to guess, they're going to kind of continue to slowly edge down. My gut's telling me, so a lot of people don't realize that back in 2018, rates had actually gone up a little bit. Do you remember that, Phil? I don't I know do. if you, okay, yeah, so 2018. So investment occupancy back then was between six and six and a half, even back in 2018. So if I had to guess, once the dust settles, and I'd say probably the next 12 to 18 months, I have a feeling that the dust is going to settle around that six, six and a half mark for investment loans, but with no points. That's the thing. Like you can get six and a half now with, you know, three points. But I think what the difference is, is that we're going to get through those points and we're going to be at a real six, six and a half somewhere when the dust settles. So that's my on-camera prediction. Let's see if it comes true. So when do you think we will get to that point? I mean, that's not going to happen in March. It's probably not going to happen yeah. in June. We're, I mean, I think it's probably going to be winter to this time next year. Would you agree? Totally. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think it's going to be a slow edging downwards for the next 12 to 18 months. And I mean, the the one potential caveat is what happens in November. We have, it's a presidential election year, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the thing I think that we all have to, you know, kind of take what we all think is going to happen with a grain of salt, because, I mean, you just look at the extremes. If it's Joe Biden or if it's Trump, you have two completely different extremes that can impact with our economy. I'm not saying either one is better or worse because we're not going to talk about politics, but those are kind of the vast extremes. Right. So I think everybody needs to to understand that moving forward. So what are you doing right now as an investor? not as a mortgage lender? Great question. So I am, so we actually, we spent a lot of time, Bill, using a lot of the tools and everything you've given us because we bought back in 2018. So we have 12 rentals. And, but back then it was set it and forget it, right? So I did. I set them, I forgot them. I was incredibly busy. So they kind of went a little neglected in terms of marketing and listing quality and pictures and, and all that. So We've really focused recently, we, we've migrated everything to owner res. We're really honing in on really beefing up our current listings and what we have to maximize that. Uh, we do also have one last renovation project and I'm grounded from buying anything else until we finish that. <laughs> so we're focused and on And which one is that? That's the, it's the little farm we have. It's about a mile from our house here in Townsend. So we've got a barn. Five but what about the backyard in Miramar that we talked about a few weeks ago? Is that is Oz got that on hold until you finish everything else up there? That we've got to figure out how to get the swim spot in there. <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 little potatoes compared to this other thing, right? That we've got. So I'm yeah, grounded so too. I mean, after what happened for with me and my wife the last quarter, she's like, I'm done. She's in Banner Elk right now. She's like, when I'm done with this, you're taking me on vacation, and we're not buying anything. We're not remodeling anything for like at least six months. 
I don't believe it, but I love it. <laughs> oh, that's it's true. But literally yesterday we started construction. I'm turning a seven, six into a 13, nine. So I'm like, it's not, we got another four months of this, honey. Unfortunately. Nice. <laughs> cool. So I love your outlook for 2024. Where, where can people get a hold of you? How do they find Parker? Yeah, absolutely. So we just launched our website as well. So we are Wealth Builders Mortgage Group. So you can go to wealthbuildersmortgagegroup.com. I know it's a mouthful. I know it's very long, <laughs> but wealthbuildersmortgagegroup.com is our website. Contact info is there. Feel free to reach out. And of course, I'm sure a lot of you are friends with me on Facebook. So feel free to, to message me or reach out there as well. Wealthbuildersmortgagegroup.com. There it yes. is. For those of you on YouTube, go check it out. That is a very long, I thought I had the world's longest URL, inboundmarketingagents.com, but you might've beat me there with wealthbuildersmortgagegroup.com. If, you, if you're listening to this on the podcast, it's wealthbuildersmortgagegroup.com. If you're watching this on my YouTube channel, and if you're just listening to this on the podcast, you should go to the Build SDR Wealth YouTube channel and subscribe. Some great shit's going on there outside of just the podcast. Also, Parker, this is going to be released on our Friday episode. So if you're listening to this and you're coming to the conference, Parker's going to be delivering a 30-minute keynote on the main stage, and you can find her in the Movement Mortgage booth uh, in the vendor showcase as well. And Parker is a wealth of knowledge, and what I love about her most is she's very similar to me. She wants to give. She wants to educate. She's a giver. She is not a taker. So make sure you stop by her booth as well. Absolutely. I'm excited. Awesome. Parker, I look forward to seeing you in Nashville next week. Everybody for uh, listening today. Wealth Builders, what is it? Again, that's a URL so long. Wealthbuildersmortgagegroup.com. Check out Parker uh, and come and see her at the STR Wealth Conference next week as well. Thank you, Parker. Thank you so much, Bill. The STR Unfiltered Podcast is brought to you by Market My STR, the ultimate all-in-one marketing platform for short-term rental hosts. Are you tired of juggling multiple marketing tools? Say goodbye to the hassle and make your life as a host a breeze with Market My STR. Boost your booking rates and increase your revenue in no time with our powerful features. Our platform streamlines your marketing efforts so you can focus on what you do best, providing unforgettable guest experiences. Whether you're a newcomer or a seasoned host, Mark on My STR has got you covered. Stay connected with your guests using our comprehensive set of communication tools. From custom landing pages to text messages, email marketing, and social media integration, we provide all the tools you need to elevate your short-term rental business. Streamline your operations, enhance your guest experience today. Don't settle for less so we can have it all. Make the switch to MarketMySTR's all-in-one marketing platform and watch your business soar. Visit MarketMySTR.com today to sign up for your free trial. That's MarketMySTR.com. Elevate your short-term rental business with MarketMySTR. Thank you for listening to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit.